Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are looking back episode by episode at the epic that was Game of Thrones. I am Chris Bolton, with me as always the mountain Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And since this is episode three, we'll be looking at episode three, Lord Snow. Who'd have thought it? Yeah, it's almost like there's an actual sequence to this shit. Um, just before we dive in this week um, apologies I am a little under the weather so you may hear me sniffling coughing yawning doing all of those fun things um, I'm you know I'm battling through for you guys I'm a, I'm a trooper yeah, not all heroes wear capes yeah exactly uh, or as we will find out over the course of this show uh, great big woolly food well, that was a cape too wasn't it no, it was I just a really, guess it was actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it just, just a really unwieldy one. Yeah, like really heavy. It, it must be fucking impossible to fight in those things, right? Well, I mean, yeah, because they don't really take them off. So no, and and it's like I say, it's not it's not like a uh, no a superhero cape where it's connected to a thing around your chest and it, it sort of flows off your shoulders. It's pinned to your shoulders to keep you warm, so it's going to restrict your movement somewhat. Yeah, not really thought that through, have they, in terms of battle dress? Not really, but I think that's again that's probably the least of the uh, the problems they face being that far uh, that far up north. Far up north. Uh, yeah, most likely. Um, okay, so episode three and oh, uh, for those of you that that are worried, which I'm sure is nobody, um, my Blu-rays came, so I'm able to watch all of this <laughs> season again now. We are back on track. Um, they came, albeit from fucking Australia. Um, that, obviously. Uh, obviously. Uh, that's okay. We can play Australian Blu-rays in the UK, so I'm okay with it. Um, but yeah, wasn't expecting Australian Blu-rays. I don't know if that means that these will be different versions in any way. I don't know if there's anything that may have been cut or not, as the case may I don't be. Know. Um, to be fair, probably for Australia, they don't use the cunt word enough. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's extra cunt in my version. Maybe. Yeah. Um, then also we are, for those keeping track we are barely a scant minute in and we've said cunt now three times three times yeah and yeah for um, those who are playing at home as well it was actually 15 times in the last episode so apologies for that if you are squeamish but you should have known better quite frankly uh, yeah we will do our best to not use it this episode but anymore know, no promises <laughs> um, yeah 15 is the glass ceiling at this point so. Yeah, but a minute in, we've already done it three times, so yeah, I promise nothing. Not looking good. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. As we go through, um, maybe we'll find occurrences where Mark's seen something I haven't, or vice versa. That could be interesting. Um, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, that'd be uh, an issue I want to, to, to flag up. Yeah, I, I will say the show looks fucking great on Blu-ray. I've always watched it streaming, um, as I've discussed before, and most of the time on quite a poor quality stream. Um, a, a legal, paid-for one, uh, but a poor quality one nonetheless. Now TV is not exactly HD. It's quite... It's, I think it's 720. 720, it? yeah, and it, and it looks it now as well. It shows its age. It runs on fucking Microsoft Silverlight. It's awful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, um, I bought it on iTunes, um, I think, I think they were doing an offer when season seven um, was just about to come out on sale, um, and season one was a tenner. So I, you know what, I'll have it. Um, so I bought it a while back, and um, so got it in four K. I had to uh, I watch it on the computer screen, so I'm like, oh, no, 
12 inches away from it anyway um and yeah it looks it looks amazing yeah it does it, it it really is a fucking well shot show for the for the most part anyway um i don't know what went wrong in season eight but we'll get to that when we get to it um, well apparently it's gonna because we only 30 grand tvs but yeah we'll get to that when we get there uh yeah not buying that um anyway that's no, not, not 30 grand no no, definitely not. Anyway, that's some way in the future. Uh, we are on yeah. season one, episode three here. So, yeah. So yeah. So um, as I said, uh, season one, episode three, called Lord Snow, directed by Brian Kirk, written by um, the showrunners David Benioff and DB Weiss. Um, ran for fifty-eight minutes, which is about standard, and it's probably the first episode where we don't get a big set piece, so we don't get a big, yeah. a big group scene anywhere. No, and it fuck me. I felt it as well. This episode was long. Like I know it's the same length as the others, but <laughs> fucking hell, this felt long. This is a it, it whole did. bunch um, of talking. I mean, the, I think the, this is the first one where you start really getting into the politics of of Game of Thrones, um, and obviously you know, that'll be, that'll come up a lot over the next eight seasons. Um, but yeah, this is the first time that. Um, this is the first time really that not a great deal happens you don't see a great deal but you get a lot out of it um yeah there's a lot of character work happening here but narrative wise yeah. not so yeah. much and the show no there's sorry go on as i said there's, there's a lot of setup in this episode there's yeah. a lot there's a lot that will follow um, i mean it's the first time we go to king's landing or we spend any sort of real time in king's landing so you you get the um the, the opening where it's the first time we um, see the throne yeah, first time we see the throne. Yeah. No, no, don't you see it with? No, I, I've watched ahead, so I've this, got that one already. This is the first, yeah, first time, time we see, see the Iron Throne. Is this episode, isn't it? And they, I mean, they talk about it, but again, they don't really show it in great detail. They, they, you can see it on screen a couple of times, but it, no, you don't get some particular close-ups on it. You, the closest you get is where um, Jamie sat at the foot, at the, so the steps in front of it, and Ned confronts him. Um, but yeah, you don't really get um, you don't really get sort of a really good look at it. And you, I don't think you do for quite a while, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the story of the throne will come up in the next couple of episodes. We won't go into that too much. Um, but I mean, on arrival, you get this sort of, this beautiful shot where you get the Starks arriving at uh, King's Landing. You see the Red Keep for the first time. They come through the the, um, the, sort of the, the big gate, which will become very important in season eight. Um, and yeah, it just no, it looks very good. It looks no, it looks like it's it's sort of hitting its stride. It looks like you know, you, you've come away from the, sort of the, the dim and dingy north. For the most part, obviously there's bits of the wall and Winterfell, but you know, it, it's not snowing; it's sunny. Um, it looks a bit more Mediterranean, um, and yeah, it just no, it looks a bit nicer and a bit more pleasant, really. Uh, and I think that's something that that it needed after two episodes of you know, being quite grim. Yeah, um, there's definitely more color, if you like, then uh, in, yeah. in this episode. And yeah, it is. It's noticeably jarring, in fact, at first when when this episode opens in King's Landing, it is a bit like, oh yeah, okay, there's other places in this world. We're not always, as you say, in the snow-covered north. Um, it, yeah, because I mean, it's, feels, I mean, it's the first time we've been there. Yeah, and it Sorry. feels like a different world, doesn't it? You see King's Landing, and it feels a world away. Um, it, it does, and um, I mean, I think that um, the only other time you've been anywhere that's not. Um, that's that's not sort of northern and grim. You obviously had a bit on the King's Road last week, but everywhere else, it's been across the narrow sea. It's been in you know, what would be 
what would, would be Europe effectively, you know, would be Essos and then where you've got the Dothraki and sort of that they're portrayed as savages and this this whole land is very bleak and very you've got this sort of as was alluded to last week, this killer grass that's gonna take over the world. Um it's it's all very exotic, it's all very, you know, what would have been termed Oriental, um at the sort of the turn of the uh, the nineteenth twentieth century. Um just because you know, it's it's this far flung and it's distant and it's no it's not of our world. And it's the first time you see anything that sort of even closely resembles that, but it's supposed to be within the world we inhabit, it's supposed to be within Westeros. So it's a big juxtaposition for um and it's it's a it is I say it's quite jarring to go from what it you know, was effectively this of the arse end of Scotland, which is very cold and very snowy and you know, just very uninhabitable in lots of places and very and very difficult to come to a place which is very opulent and very very open and very calm and very happy. Um and yeah, it's just it's just a very strange um it's a very strange jump for what was not effectively the same country. Yeah. It it certainly is. But um it I don't know. To me, it, it's nice in that it shows us that that bigger world, but it also the second we see it and you realise again we're not up north. Just like I said last week, I'm like, oh for fuck's sake, we're moving even further away from the actual meat and bones of this story, being yes. you know the, the White Walkers and and the wall. Now we do get actually some some quite nice work on on the White Walkers in this episode, despite not seeing them again. But yeah, initially it opens up and it, it opens with a lot of politics, as you say. And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake! Like, oh, yeah. Although I will say that the very first scene, I say, um, Stark rolls in um, with his, uh, you know, with, with his family and his entourage, and he sort of he comes through the gate, and he's, he's met by a master straight away, saying um, that they've convened the small council, and he's required, he's required urgently. And the the master says, oh, "Would you like to change into something more comfortable?" He takes off his gloves, and you, the look he gives him tells him that if he asks him again, he's going to shove them up his ass. And again, Sean Bean being absolutely perfect and on point with the character, because you, without even saying anything, you just want him to slap him. Yeah, uh, there, there'll be a lot of love for Sean Bean throughout this episode. Uh, I guarantee it. Cause yeah, he is In my notes, a lot uh, specifically <laughs> um, for yeah for for moments like this where yeah he he just completely nails the performance. Um, he's. I've forgotten how good he was in this show. Obviously, you don't forget Ned Stark as a character, um, but no, I had. But it's forgotten... it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget the performances. Yeah. I think. I mean, to to this generation of of TV fans, he's um, he's Ned Stark. But I mean, to an entire generation, he will always be Sharp. Yeah. And Sharp, the person portraying Sharp, couldn't act for shit. No. He was a gruff Northerner who played a gruff Northerner, pretending to be a well, not trying to be a military leader and it didn't really work so it, it's it's quite i find it quite strange praising him for playing a gruff northerner when that's all he's ever done but he does it so well in this yeah he really does um and it, again it's it's the small moments um there is an absolute belter towards the end of the episode but um again i i, I yeah, skip we'll forward that. yeah before we get to that we get a moment with him after he's arrived um as i say we do get our first look at the throne and we get a nice scene between him and jamie um, more so for Jamie than anything else. I mean, first of all, Jamie gets to be a complete and utter cock um, again, which he is excellent at. Like he is the absolute master of backhanded compliments. <laughs> he is, and he he does get to be a cock in in, in the scene. However, it's not as if he's he's going out of his way to do it because he's no. set up for it so perfectly. But 
everything he says is entirely justified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just as I've alluded to before, that just Jamie's character is always pointed true north, always. Now, whether you agree with his decisions or not, is is another thing. But he is nothing other than Jamie Lannister ever. Like he's, as you say, everything he speaks is true. And we get this. We actually get beneath his skin a bit. Then he does open up to Ned after they have their back and forth. And we really start to see the first sort of inkling that there, there is more to Jamie than, than we're being presented with. You know, he starts to go on about uh, the Kingslayer thing um, yeah, and and why he did it. And he starts to open up. But Ned really isn't interested in hearing it. Ned's all about honour and obviously stabbing somebody in the back, as it were, um, is not very honourable. Um, no, and I mean it's not it's not the only time it's alluded to in this episode. Um, we'll come to it with Robert later on, but I mean it's it seems to be you know it, it's no great secret the fact that he, he killed the king, but he stabbed him in the back, um, both figuratively and uh, literally. And I mean we come on to sort of the story of um, Tywin Lands from the fact that he was hand to the Mad King, um, and I think uh, Ned's uh, Ned's closer, which is uh, you, you you served the king well when it was safe. Yeah, you know, and that kind of that kind of sums up. What at this point, what everybody will think of the Lannisters is the fact they are all actually just self-serving assholes, mm-hmm. and will just go and will just do what suits them. And it whether whether they get away with it or not doesn't matter because they're Lannisters and they're rich and they don't really give a shit. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they they're all very much privileged and can do what they like. But again, you you get there is that little bit more to Jamie, as I say, and and he he tries, he really tries to open up to Ned here. It's just that Ned won't hear it. We do eventually get later on in the episode, we we get the payoff when he's speaking to Robert. Um, But we almost get it here, just Ned is not interested in hearing it. No, and I think the problem, the the reason that Ned was never going to go for it was the fact that the conversation opened talking about how the Mad King murdered his his father and brother. It's not... Yeah, I you know I was standing pretty much here when when your when the king slaughtered your father and your brother. They were brave men, and there's the compliment side of it. But then you know, they died screaming, and you know, Ned's repast is well, you stood you stood there and did nothing. And you know, Jamie comes back, wins it, said yeah, but so did five hundred other people. Nobody was going to put themselves in that position to then die themselves. So I mean, no, it's one of those that at that point, even if he had wanted to open up to Ned, Ned was never going to want to hear it because. Well, no. Where do you go with that conversation? How do you then? How do you then get into that conversation? So, oh yeah, well, now having just had that repast where you've now basically said that you let my pet not let my father die because you're a coward. Oh, and by the way, well, well done for being so honourable and killing a tyrant. You know, it was never going to happen, no. was it? No. Um. But yeah, I in general, I I love the scene. I love the two of them together, and I love any time we get to see Jamie just being a little bit of an arrogant prick. Um. Yeah, which again will come up later in the Yeah, episode. but ultimately his character is is bigger than that. He's not just an arrogant prick. I, yeah, I, I really like Jamie Lannister as I've said before, and I won't apologise for it. Um, so we move on and we meet the small council, um, and it's like how many fucking characters can we introduce in one scene here? This is information overload. All of a sudden, it's like here's Littlefinger and here's Varys and here's Renly. And he, and yeah. it's just like you have to get up to speed with these characters very quickly. Whereas in previous episodes, I've complained about how much talking and exposition there is, and how much 
uh, verbally stating the relations between characters. There is like, oh, look, it's Jamie, the Queen's brother, and shit like that. Uh, yeah, none yeah. of that here. It's just like, yeah, here's a bunch of characters now. Catch up quickly because we've got other shit to do. <laughs> uh, it's not consistent. Yeah, honestly, no, I mean, I, it, it's not consistent. I'll say that I, I don't. I don't think you suffer from it because, with the exception of probably Renly and. I even do with with myself to to a point. I mean, Littlefinger and Varys do make themselves known later in this episode, and you do get to learn quite a bit more about them very quickly. Uh, yeah, you, you do. Um... So I mean, in that in that respect, yeah, yeah, okay. This scene kind of glosses over them, but then you, you go back to it's not as if you gloss over them and then you come back to them in six weeks' time, where you're never going to remember who the hell they are. Um, you know, they do become very important in this. Um, well, not just this season, but the whole show. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. It, it it does whiz by the scene very quickly, and, and it it serves no purpose other to drive you know, to, to to drive the narrative on. It doesn't you, know, you don't get anything no. from it. You don't learn anything about the characters, other than the fact that you know, Ned Stark had a brother, which you picked up in the last scene, and he had an intense like like uh, disliking for Littlefinger and cut him from from navel to sternum. Um, and I've got to say of, of Ned Stark's brother, if you can cut if you can cut him that much, just cut his fucking heart. Don't do us all a favor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you also get the whole, as you say, the intro to Littlefinger's obsession with Stark women, cats specifically. Um, well, Tully women, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, and then you get, again, almost thrown away. They do have a brief conversation about it, but you get to hear that the Crown is massively in debt to the Lannisters. Um, yes. Much to Ned's And distance. just in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's was it three million to the Lannisters and six million overall. I mean, obviously you get the the, um, the Iron Bank later on, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, in, in later season, so I mean, you you find out that yeah, I mean, basically, you know, Robert has bankrupted the kingdom, having parties and going off and fucking everything that moves, um, and doesn't really care about running the kingdom. He's not, he's he's earned his he's earned his kingdom. He's earned his throne, and other people can worry about the little shit like how you pay for it, um, and. To, to Ned's absolute disgust and, and outrage, that no, nobody seems to be that concerned about it. It's just a case of, well, that's what he wants, that's what he gets, and nobody's really stood up to him. And I think that's it's an interesting part of, of Robert that we haven't really seen yet, and we will see. Uh, I mean, we will see it a little bit in the next couple of episodes. Um, but yeah, it's just um, it's this whole. You, know, you have this whole thing, all the talk of, of Aerys Targaryen, the Mad King, and that, all the sort of the atrocities he committed, but. Robert doesn't seem any better a king. He just seems to be slightly less psychotic. Uh, which I'd argue probably makes him better. Um... <laughs> not as a king, just not as a person in general. Yeah. But as, it, just because you're not a psychopath doesn't mean you're a good ruler. No, but not... Just means it may, may not be as bad yeah, as the last one. not being a fucking Looney Tune kind of beats being a Looney Tune, I guess. Well, yeah. Maybe, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the anyway. correct term for people with mental issues as well. By the way, is Looney Tune? Um... Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. In 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 fictitious um, medieval societies, yes, that's perfectly. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so moving on, we get we get a nice scene with Cersei and Joffrey. Then where and this I feel is the first point. We we said there's a lot of character work in this episode, and this is the first point where we really start to see how dangerous Cersei can be. Um, as she completely yes, and, and Joffrey actually well, as Joffrey, well. yeah, but Joffrey's more being led here by Cersei. He's the weapon. He, um, Cersei's the one. He is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I mentioned last week. Um, I mean, I I find that so the the transition and the character arc of Joffrey quite interesting, just because of the way it's handled. It 
this is probably the genesis of it, whereby she start. Let's say she does start grooming him. She does start um, teaching him what it means to be a king, what it means to be a leader. And whereas um, last week Tyrion was sort of trying to teach him what it is to be a man, where teaches not to what it is to be a, to be a prince, but also a man and a, a decent person. You, know, you will go and offer your sympathies. You will go and throw, you know, throw, hurl yourself on your knees and apologize for all their troubles, even though they're nothing to do with you. Cersei has a similar conversation with him, but it's because. It's it's no it's to keep your friends close, your enemies closer, sort of speech. It's you, know, you need to do this because you will need them on side. It doesn't really matter what you do away from that, and it doesn't matter if you want to go fuck painted horse or you want to you know, have different virgin every night or whatever it is. That's all fine, but keep them sweet because you will need them. And it's the first it's, it's sort of the first time that you see her as a politician, but really anybody playing actual politics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is going to become a very big theme, not just in this series, but going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, she completely reframes all of the events at the end of the last episode. She totally reframes them. Um, yes, and and, and, and unashamedly so. And I mean, it's, and she, I mean, she even suggests that that's what Robert has done as well. That you know, he's he he's come through. I mean, you know, we know at this point that um, he went to war with the Targaryens because of what he believed. I don't know what. Um, happened to uh, to uh, Lyanna Stark that was his reason for going to war not because the Mad King was mad or he was doing a bad job that was the reason for his rebellion but people don't know that and people don't need to know that as far as they're concerned he rebelled against the Mad King and, and dethroned him and he was killed and now they have a better yes. kingdom and again it's that it, as I say it's that framing it's that it's, it's how that's presented to the public because that's what they actually need to know that's the only thing they need to know is Mad King's gone you've got a better yeah. one now it doesn't matter that he didn't actually give a shit, and it was only when what happened to Leanna happened that he went off the deep end and said, "Fuck this! I'm going to kill. The, I'm going to kill him, and I'm, no, I'm going to. I'm going to take the throne." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is the first real sense of politics that that we see, which you know, it's it's interesting. It's certainly something that drives the show and it drives these characters. But I'm sat here thinking, "Fuck's sake, where's the fucking White Walkers?" Uh, <laughs> we we then get kind of this weird this there's something almost edible about the conversation you've already mentioned that the fucking painting painted whores and the way the way she speaks to yeah. him is just really oh yeah odd it's really disturbing. yeah and then we get the final line of um you know everyone who isn't us is an enemy and she sort of draws yeah. him into this embrace and it's just creepy as all hell um it is, and I mean, it's the sort of thing, it's the sort of conversation you expect her to be having with Jamie, and later on there is a very similar conversation with Jamie. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's this whole. I mean, they talk about it later on. Um, and I think we mentioned our first episode this whole thing about keeping bloodlines pure and things like that. So you know, there, there was a lot of incest in in that period, and that's how this world has been presented. Um, but yeah, I was watching this thinking, "Fuck, I really don't like this. I really don't think that's no, that's something I can get on board with." Obviously, knowing how things progress, I wasn't too worried. But you just you just watch it, and you listen to the lines, and you listen to the way they do. And and again, um, absolutely can't fault um, Jack Leeson and Lena Headey. Um, the way they no, the way they pull this scene off is absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's being played for definitely. This isn't this isn't something that our weird perverse minds are seeing. It is being played for. There's no oh, doubt absolutely. about it. But it's but it's done absolutely beautifully, and it comes across so well. Yeah, and. Yeah, you just sort of get this. I mean, you always get I mean, you you do get it with Cersei, especially in, in later seasons. Where you, 
you don't get it so much with um, with Tommen when he's older. Um, but you certainly get it with Joffrey all the way through. He, you know, he's the little prince. He's them. He's the he's the one. Um, no, he, and no, he's he's the one who's going to sort of you know, cement their legacy and you know, move on and you know, move up, move the family on, sort of thing, and you know, make them great. Um, uh, but yes, you Lena Headey always sort of plays it in this sort of way that you know it's very uncomfortable to watch those scenes because you never quite know where her lines are in and what her boundaries are no. anyway. Excuse me. And yeah, it's just quite it's quite difficult to get through. But I mean, the way that they sell it and. I mean, back to sort of the, the dialogue as well. The, the whole thing of anyone who's not us as an enemy, and, and he closes it with, "So you agree the stars yes. are our enemies?" And again, it's just set. It's just setting up beautifully the whole thing that you now, I said, the the Starks have been framed as the, sort of the absolute center of this show from minute what? Well, from minute eight of the first episode, um, and yeah. So I mean, all of a sudden you've got a family who we know are conspiring against the crown, or we suspect are conspiring against the crown because Cat Stark's sister has voiced her suspicions that John Aaron was murdered. Um, they've then thrown Bran out of a window, or Jamie's thrown Bran out of a window. This this whole thing is set up that's going to be the Starks and the Lannisters yes. going to war, basically. This, that's what this show is going to be. Um, and again, it's, it's some nice um, some nice uh, uh, foreshadowing yeah, there. there is. And, and sort of in watching this scene as well, it just makes me realise, you know, we'll talk as this show goes on, and God knows it's been talked about a lot um, lately, uh, in in the media, but we'll talk about how how characters maybe get disservice as the show goes on. And Cersei is another character that is just completely changed. I'd forgotten just how interesting and manipulative and dangerous she was at the start. Whereas towards the last couple of seasons, she's essentially been a pantomime villain. Um, she sits in a tower yeah. and cackles and drinks wine like an old lush. Um, whereas she's not that here at all. Yeah, I mean certainly the last um, the last season where she you know you just do see her in a lot of high towers looking out of windows. She might as well just have been painted green and cackling and sending off flying monkeys. Yeah, exactly. Whereas here she is a very real danger because she's so manipulative, um, and she's a far more interesting character for it. Here. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is what I was talking about last week as well. I mean, there was. Um... There's a quote from George R. R. Martin where people somebody asked him about how he how he portrays women so well. He said, "I think there's people in their own right," and I don't think I don't think that comes across in the show. But when when people aren't no when men aren't being portrayed as men and women aren't portrayed as women, but people are being played as people, it's done absolutely spot on. Certainly in Cersei's case, because the, whether it's the the writing, the performance, or the direction, or a combination of all three, she absolutely nails this character for probably the first five and a half years. And then, round about the time that the um, the series and the books stop overlapping, that's maybe when things come apart a little bit because they, because there's so much going on later on that they don't they don't give her enough time. They don't know. They don't give her breathing room, and she's not a character that runs headfirst into action, and no. so therefore she's not she's not a visually arresting character. Then when you, when you get to scenes with big budgets and stuff, she's not going to throw down there. No. Um, she's far more interesting as we say watching from the sidelines and, and manipulating people and unfortunately that does get kind of pushed away and it's a real shame um yeah. because as i say as much as i just want to get back to the white walkers like these scenes are excellent and so uncomfortable uh in in the best possible way you know they're meant to be uncomfortable and they feel uncomfortable and she's a really fucking interesting character here um but yeah uh, 
I don't know exactly where that went wrong. I have my suspicions, and so we'll see how it plays out as we rewatch the show, and I'll, I'll point it out. Um, but I, I have my suspicions as to where it went wrong. Um, but we'll, it's a long way off yet, so we'll see in the rewatch. Um, we get some nice juxtaposition when this is finished as well, though, because we go straight from these two to a scene with Ned and the girls, yeah. um, and Sansa just being an absolute spoiled bitch, really. Yeah. Um, I really hate her so much in this first season. I don't know. Again, I don't know how she became what she became because I just want to punch her in the fucking face throughout this season. She's so annoying. Yeah, um, but I mean, again, I think that she's. It's not handled in the right way, or she. No, I mean, I, I think that the the writing is quite lazy around her. To be honest, um, it is. She's a caricature. She is, but I mean, I think that the way that it's sort of kind of sold to um, to Arya um, when to, um, when Ned um, sort of comes back to the um, back to their accommodation and so sort of they're they're arguing or whatever else, um, the way so the Ned explains it is, you know, that yes, okay, he appreciates that Arya didn't no, uh, that um, Sansa didn't back Arya up that she you know she she lied or she she pretended she didn't know uh, but what happened at the instant with the um, with the dire from with Joffrey. Um, so yeah, he understands that, but he he's trying to explain the purpose of why she does that. She's done that, and it's, it's portrayed as because she's very conflicted. And you look at where she ends up and how her character progresses. You think, well, maybe she has more of a brain than she's given credit for in this um, in these early seasons. In as much as yes, okay, she does. Um, she you know, she does know that she can't really go against either side because one's her family and one's her future family. And that's the way you know, that's the way life is set up. So she. You know, Again, it's it's an, an early introduction to this sort of political side of things, which isn't to be handled well, I don't think. But I think I, I do think that you can see if you look again, if you look back, and it's easy looking back through eight years worth of stuff and go, oh well, that's kind of setting up for that. Or if they didn't do that, they couldn't do this later on. So obviously, with hindsight, it's it's a, it's easier to pick things out. And I think that's probably what we're going to see a lot, certainly with um, with Sansa, is that there's a lot of things that inform her character later on, and she seems to develop. A lot more than a lot of characters in the show. She definitely does because she's a just horrible character, a spoiled brat here. Her and Joffrey yes. perfectly suited for each other at this point. Yes. Um, we then go to a scene between Ned and Arya. Um, we get repetition of sticking with the pointy end, which is lovely. Yes. Nice callback. Yeah. Again, um, made me laugh again. Yeah, and my notes here just say I, I say this. I think every time she's on screen at the moment, I I fucking love Arya, <laughs> especially at this point you know where she's just setting out on her journey yeah and i mean she she was um she received a lot of um, a lot of praise um in the u.s for portrayal uh, in this episode particularly the um this scene and the um her her sword fighting scene the last scene where she's um practicing with um sorry for then she people sort of people really warmed her at this point and so she, you know, the, as, as an actress Maisie williams was doing a very good job portraying this character who was i say at this starting point where she had this uh, this childlike innocence, but she was desperate to learn and desperate to, to improve herself and to and to follow her goals. And we see the early um, the early stage of the list here as well, where you know she's she's got this knife and she's practicing for Joffrey or maybe for Sansa or for the Hound. And this will you know, obviously this will be a theme with her going forward as well. Yeah, yeah, we we do get the the absolute genesis of a character here. Um, we get winter is coming twice um, in this scene, which I, I kind of makes up for the fact that we didn't have it once last week so it's back winter's coming again um yeah yeah um 
And then Ned says something weird. Ned's talking to her and he, and he mentions, we've come to a dangerous place. Well, why the fuck did you bring both your daughters then? Well, that's I understand you have to take Sansa because that no, that's what the king wants. The king wants, wants her to Yeah, come. but why did you bring Arya? Yeah, why bring Arya? Why not leave her at home with you know, where her, her brother and her mother can look after her? And, you know, then you haven't got to worry about her being in a dangerous place. And also she's not going to get mixed up with swords and be part of an assassination plot and all the rest of it. But you say that, um, where a brother and a mother can look after her, but lo and behold, next scene, fucking Catelyn Stark rolls up on Winterfell. Now, how the fuck did she get there so quickly? Well, yeah. Like, I, again, there's, I mean, we, time, we've talked about it in the last episode, time is a big fucking misnomer in the show anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, it just seems that no, they've appeared. Um no, I don't know whether they've they found the uh, the fast travel point and clicked X on it, and all of a sudden they've they've teleported to the loading screen for a minute. But yeah, it just seems that you no, know, all of a sudden that no, the last time we saw is that I'll write south for Winterfell. You no, know, I, I I need to speak to Ned, and then lo and behold, she's there. It's like, hang on, it took it took Ned a week and a half to yeah. get there. Um, you know, and, and you're there overnight. It's you know, so I mean, nonsense. It's a bit nuts, and and again, you get this whole thing of you know. Um, the guy she's with, whose name I still can't remember, um, says, "No, you need to be." Um, oh, Roger Castle. I've got his name in front of me. Um, says, "No, you need to be careful." No, you need to be careful, my lady. He says, "It's been nine years since I've been here. Nobody knew who was then, and nobody's going to recognise me now." And then straight away, obviously, that's that's the joke is that nobody recognised me, and they take two steps forward, and they're intercepted by two um, two guards. Um, yeah. Nice little scene means nothing. Absolutely no, nothing. It's just giving us her arrival, and then we cut straight away to uh, gratuitous tit shot number one of the episode. Um, of, yeah, which is quite far in actually. Yeah, it it's is. Quite late in the episode. But it's extremely gratuitous. Like you could have implied that Littlefinger owned a whorehouse without showing us tits. Um, yes, I'm fine with it. It's it sets the scene, gives us. Gives us some character information for Littlefinger as well, so it's not entirely gratuitous, I suppose. But yeah, and I mean, you do kind of get um, the sort of the snivelly, wormish side of him as well. I mean, you had the, the illusion earlier on that you no, know, he he you no, know, he he does still carry a torch for Cat, that you know, he would do anything for her. And then obviously their interaction, um, their their first interaction, I mean, that we see on the show, it's very much. I'm doing this. This is for, I'm doing this for you. This is in your best interest. What you need. I'm looking after you. Even if you think I'm doing something crazy, I'm looking after you because I can, and your husband clearly can't because he doesn't even know you're here. Yeah. Um, and then you get you know, this um, this next exchange with her where um, Varys comes in, and then there's this again. You get something where he starts talking about you know, information is my trade. This you no, know, this is. So you get the you, know, you start talking about his little birds and things. Like that's so all of a sudden you start learning about his character. And then again, little finger just sort of shows that sort of conniving side. Where he says, "Oh, this is a, this is rare. Something I know that you don't." And again, it's just it's just him trying to one up and try to show off in front of Cat. Yeah, um, he's just a show off, full stop, isn't he? A braggart and a show off. Yeah, um, and, absolutely. And that the knife belongs to little did at least belong to little finger until he lost it um, mm. to Tyrion Lannister on a bet. Um, yes. So it's essentially the Millennium Falcon of this show, I guess. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, especially when you get later on. Yeah. Um. So, we learn that again. Bit of information. It's handled well. It's not thrown away, but it's handled quite lightly. Um. Yeah. And then we move. And on. I, as I say, I, th- I think that scene in general, it's 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 dealt with quite a light touch because it had the potential to be, um, very farcical, very slapstick. I mean, you do have the bit where 
the you know, the two semi naked whores come running in and he shoes them away. Um, it's a bit you know it had the potential to be a bit Benny Hill. Yes. And it's it doesn't go that way, thankfully. Um, so yeah, I mean it's handled quite nicely and it 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 just moves things along. It doesn't really again it doesn't really break any boundaries. It doesn't really you know, knock any walls down. It's just you know what, here's where we are, and we'll kind of signpost you for the next bit. Yeah, um, and we we'll come back to Littlefinger when when we come back in a bit because I do have some some thoughts and some notes on him. But yeah, um, okay. we move forward to the wall finally and get absolutely. No fucking introduction to the wall whatsoever. We're just thrown in headfirst. We're at the wall. Yeah, we're just all of a sudden there and it's snowing or it's been snowing and it's all cold and miserable and it looks very, again, it looks very desolate and very grim. And you see Jon Snow kicking the fuck out of everybody. Yeah, I fucking love this Jon. What happened to this Jon Snow? Again, round about the end of season five-ish, I think he just seemed to become someone else. Yeah, uh, and again, there's a reason for that before we come to yeah. that when we get to the end of season five. But I think actually, I did like this episode for John because I mean, it's obviously it's called Lord Snow, and it's um, Alistair Thorne causing uh, causing Lord Snow to try and wind up the other um, the other recruits to um, to the Night's Watch um, and to get them to attack him and all the rest of it. And he's there and he's showing off because he's a better fighter and he kicks the living shit out of everybody. Mm. He breaks their noses. He's you know, he disarms them and all the rest of it. And he's just having a, he's having a bit of you know, he's like I'm ready I'm I'm better than all these people I'm ready to go and be a ranger with my uncle I'm ready to go north of the wall I'm ready to you know, go and prove myself, and yeah. I mean I'm not I don't, I'm not sure it's the very next scene but I mean he he then gets accosted by the guys he beats up um, who are gonna, who are going to do him over um, and they're interrupted by Tyrion and he, he John has has this conversation with Tyrion whereby and these other guys are all still in the room where he says no. One no one stole a wheel of cheese to feed his this starving sister, and it was a choice of join the nice watch or lose his hand. Um, another one was abandoned by his father, left on a far, on a farmer's doorstep at the age of three. No, they've never held a sword before. Not everybody had the privileged upbringing you had, even though you were a bastard. You still had a very privileged upbringing at the no, at, the, at the, the home home of a lord. Yeah, and that's that's a facet of John's character that I love. He's, he's yeah, you know he's. This is spelled out to him, and now all of a sudden he's actually carrying guilt, which he's never done before yeah. because he's always been downtrodden. Well, this is it, and this I thought this scene was absolutely beautiful because all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, yeah. He it's it's his epiphany where he goes, oh, and it's handed to him, but he has this epiphany going, oh shit, yeah, actually, my life could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yes. Okay, I've, I've still ended up here, but my life could have been a million times worse. And then when you see the next time you see him, he's on top of the wall with Benjamin, and he says, "I'm ready to go with you, because uh, I'm better than these guys." And Benjamin says, "You're not better than anybody. You earn it. You, you know, you earn it. You get what you get because you earn it." And then it sort of clicks. It comes together for him. And I don't know if I can't remember if that's before or after the scene, the scene with Tyrion, but th- things start to come together for him. And then you see him sparring with these guys again, and he's teaching them how to fight. Yes. You say. You, you move your feet too much, you don't move enough, try doing this, try doing that. All of a sudden, he's he's thinking, well, okay, I, can, I, can, I do have the opportunity here to, you know, to to find a family, to find a place where I belong. But if I keep fucking everybody over, they're going to murder yeah, me. Yeah, and just like we've seen Arya's genesis a few minutes ago, here is the genesis of the King in the North. Um, yes, definitely. It, again, it, it, we just lose it later on we really do i feel like john's character specifically is the one that took the absolute biggest nosedive these last couple of seasons yeah i mean i think there are two characters who were 
three characters who were criminally mishandled in the last two seasons. Um, one we've already mentioned being Cersei, where she yes. becomes a pantomime, but uh, John being another one. Yes, um, I mean the show is. I'm not, not going to say. Who's, yeah, I think most people can guess who the yeah, other I'm, is. Yeah, I'm not going to say who it is because if, if people are watching are watching on play along at home, yeah. then they can get there when they get there. But anybody who's ever seen or read anything about the show will know who they, who I'm talking about. But those three characters were absolutely mishandled in these last couple of seasons because the character were to get them to those points yes. were absolutely brilliant but then they kind of went oh shit well we've only got we've got a limited number of episodes because we've committed that, that this is our plan we're going to do you know, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 8, 6 yeah. so all of a sudden we're not going to have the full quarter episodes they'd be longer so we might as well just have the same number of episodes we might as well have 10 episodes every season because we're, we're filming the same amount of stuff but we're just going to do it in a slightly different way. Fine, I've got a problem with that. That's kind of the, their vision. That's where they said are absolutely fine. But they threw away years of character work in the last season and a half, two seasons. John specifically. John specifically, yeah. Um, it's always been Jon Snow's story for me. I said it right back on episode one yeah. of this podcast as well. It's, I know you know there's, there's arguments to be made that it's Danny's story. There's even an argument to be made that it's Arya's story. Um, and I guess it just depends on which way you want to look at it. But for me... It has always felt like John's story, and the A story has always felt like it's John versus the White Walkers. Yeah, and I think that when we get to um, that, point, that that key point for his character in season six, and then when you move on to the ninth to so season eight, you there are things that are, there are things that are raised, which given that this show didn't get cancelled, this show didn't end in a rush, or it didn't need to end in a rush. Mm. Um, again differing opinions from different people but it, it's not as if they went oh shit we've got to wrap this up because we're not getting another season this was planned yeah and there's so much stuff that they see right from the beginning of season one which just never comes to pass no. and, and just specifically look as you say look at john fighting here and look how fucking good he is right it's just look look at him being batman in this episode yeah definitely. and just try and hold on to that and remember it when we get to some of I mean, even right through Battle of the Bastards, which will come later and stuff like that, just watch him fighting and then just remember that when we get to season eight and have discussions about Jon Snow. Um, yeah. It's it's criminal what, what they did to this guy. But anyway, we're not there yet. This is Jon Snow just generally being... The, the, this awesome is where Jon Snow becomes Jon Snow, yeah. really. Um, yeah, this is where he comes into it. No, he really sort of comes into his own and he, he, we as a character see it with him that he works out who he is. Or he who yes. he wants to be, yes. And yeah. I, I think it's such an important. And it, it starts in this episode, and certainly the the two scenes with um, Tyrion and Benjamin. It's where he really goes. Ah, oh, I get it's it. It's where the penny drops. Yeah, it's where the penny drops, and he realizes that this is the life he has chosen. It's not the life he was forced into because he doesn't have to be at the wall, even though he might well, he, have thought he, he did. Yeah, he that's it. That's it. No, he. It was always thought that's where bastards go. They go to the wall because they've got no other place in the world. Whereas, yeah. in fact, he could have quite happily stayed at Winterfell. Yes. No, Ned would have kept him there quite comfortably. But he still chooses to remain at the Wall and train with these people. Yeah, and at this point, they have, he hasn't taken his vows at this point either, so he can walk at any time. He'll probably freeze to death on his way back to Winterfell, but he you know, he has the opportunity at this point because he hasn't committed to anything. Yeah, and that, and that's shown to us um, with, with Tyrion later on, who does just up and leave um i know yeah. he was never going there to join the night's watch anyway but it is possible to just leave um but yeah so so we get to see the genesis of john here and it, absolutely the highlight of the episode for me um just because i i love this character so much um yeah. i mean i know i've mentioned that, that i 
I love Arya and I, and I love Jamie as well, but John is the show to me and always has been the show. I watched the show for Jon Snow. It's his story. Um, so anyway, we do um, <laughs> we do move back for more Littlefinger. Um, as I believe this is where Ned comes in and, and finds yes. him. Um, and I've just written you, look, I know he's an ass. I know Littlefinger is an absolute ass, but I've always liked him. I've, I've, I've always, I've always liked him. I've actually found him quite funny in a in a sort of snide, sarcastic kind of way, um, and he, I, I think he's definitely less of a scheming dick here than he comes to be later on. Uh, I think the pro, I think the thing is here. There's not too much going on for him to be scheming about. No, well, I've actually written here. He's less of a scheming dick, and then I've got a dash and say like. Do they know his arc yet? Like, have they worked out what they do? Again, having not read the books, I don't know how close yeah, he I don't know. sticks I mean, I th- to it. But but knowing how power-hungry he will become and knowing specifically how power-adjacent he will become, um, mm. much much in the same way that Cersei is at the moment, really, um, yeah. I, I just wonder if they know that that's his arc yet because it doesn't feel like they do because he again he feels like a much lighter character it's clear that he's a scheming bastard but he's he's more just a bit of a rogue here than anything he is but I mean I think I mean whether or not they they knew in terms of the show where they were going with the character even or, or even if, if the books had got to it at this point I think the fact that you know, they, the kingdom was in relative peace um, yes, okay. There was a potential threat from um, from the Targaryens um, and the Dothraki, and they're, no, they're always political factions. But the country wasn't at war. Things have been stable. No, there hadn't been a war for what seventeen years, I think it was. Um, so you know, there's 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 not really any opportunity for him. Whatever he does, if he, he starts scheming and plotting against the throne, he will be found out. Yeah. So there's not really any place for it. Was what when you get later on, and you know you have different rulers and different factions popping up here, there and everywhere. It's very easy for them to start then trying to play off against each other and to try and get into various different camps and well did you hear he said this? Did you hear he said that? Yeah. Poop a monkey dishwasher. And you can just start no, you can just start the whispers going. Um sorry, I had to get that in. Um yeah, and you can just start sort of playing people off against each other in, in such a way that does s- cement that character for him. So by the time we we see him and his absolute conditionness later, it's not really a surprise. No. Uh, does cuntish count as a use of the word cunt? I guess it does. It does. So th- another three. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a, there'll be a, a, an in story one coming up shortly as well. So there's at least one more. Um, yeah, in in story is fine. Yeah. So uh, we we move on then. I, d- I don't know what this scene is next because I haven't written down. But I don't think it's the one with Jamie and Robert yet. But I've just written down that they they have this kind of leather uh, frock coat that they wear under their armor, the King's Guard. Um, this kind of yeah. greyish leather frock coat, and I've just written Jamie looks dapper as fuck in his frock coat. <laughs> this would be um, the scene with Cersei. Um, uh, there you go. So, yeah, yeah. So he um, and I was sort of saying earlier on this whole thing of the the conversation that um, the, she had with Joffrey was particularly uncomfortable. This and we're talking about Jamie's arrogance. This scene turns that up to fifty three. No, my fucking eleven. Um, he goes in. And he's talking about um, he's talking about the fact that you no, know, or she's talking about the fact that Bran is alive. How could he be so stupid? He's a child. What if he tells? What if he remembers? Oh, yes, what yes, if he I tells? And he, again, he's a cocky arsehole. If he if he tells, I'll, we'll deny it. We'll we'll say he's lying because he's a kid. Um, 
I'll kill him, I'll kill them all because who cares. But the very start of it is, I'll go to war for you, I'll go to war with Robert, and we call it the Battle for yes, Cersei's right. Cut. The War for Cersei's Cut. And, yeah. Yes, and she slaps him. Yeah. He laughs and she slaps him again. And then he sort of grabs her and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's embracing her and he's caressing her and he's getting a bit of a feel and whatever else. And you get, again, you get this, it kind of echoes what you've had with Joffrey earlier on, this thing of it's them and us. Everybody who's not us yeah. doesn't count. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, 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 again, as I said, it's, it's, it's him absolute true north saying, this is who I am. I don't really give a fuck. I will slaughter everybody in the damn kingdom. Yeah. And, and like I say, if that's what you need me to yeah, do, and like I say, he's kind of wandering around. Anytime you see anyone else of the King's Guard, they're wearing kind of full armor, and they've got this this leather frock coat underneath it. It's like a, a base layer. Yes. The armor. And he's yeah. just fucking cutting around, wearing this like it's a duster, and he's a fucking cowboy. Um, <laughs> he's just, it, it just looks. It, but it plays to the character. It does make him look so cocksure of himself. Like I don't need. Oh, armor. absolutely. I'm just wearing this coat because it looks cool. Like, well, that was, and I think there was a conversation with Ned in the conversation with Ned where he says, "Oh, you, that the armor's pristine. There's not a scratch on it." Yeah. And he says, "Oh, yeah, I've been, I, I, I've been very fortunate." So, you, and Ned sort of goes, "Oh, you've chosen, you've chosen your opponents well." Right. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and again, it's this. I say it's this. He he is very cocksure because he never fights anybody he thinks he can't beat. No. No. Um, and then yeah, you, we do get it. We do have the scene with Robert, which. Um, I mean, I can't remember where that comes in the episode. So I mean, I'll, I'll rely on you. It's, notes for it's that, next. But, the scene I, of Jamie and Robert oh, okay. is, is next. So. Okay, so I'll, um, but yeah, so I mean, we come into it, and there's, there's a, again a bit more character work comes out of that, and so we see this scene where he's an absolute dickhead. Yeah. But a lovable dickhead. Yeah. And then you go to a scene where, oh, I'll just go straight into it. I mean, Robert, Robert's, um, his first. Um, they're talking about well, first his, kills, his, aren't they? They're talking, about, they're talking about first kills. So it's him and um, Barristan Selmy, yeah. um, who's, I think, he's head of the Kingsguard, yes. I believe. Um, and, um, Lancel Lannister um, is just there because he's always oh, supposed to be there pouring wine. Um, and Robert, again, there's this quite interesting, almost sort of tender human scene where Robert sort of, he, he takes off his sort of his metaphorical arm and he's he's not being boorish and bluffish and all the rest of it. He is just talking about something that happened to him and he's talking about the fact that um, his first kill was um, a, a Tali, who we'll meet, um, we'll meet the Talis in the next couple of episodes. Um, but some Tarly lad who thought he could end, he could end the rebellion with a single swing of the sword, and Robert no, Robert smashed he he lost his horse. Um, Robert smashed this, this guy in the in the chest with a hammer, and then um, because um, because he, the damage he done was able to kill him. And it's almost as if he's sort of no, he's he's not remorseful as such, but he no, it's something that sort of stuck with him and almost haunted him yes. to a point because the guy pled no he pled for his life at the end. Yeah, it's. No, Wait, wait, please, and he stowed his head in anyway. Um, and it's, uh, as I say, it's, there's this almost human side to Robert in the way he's he is sort of lamenting this, but then he runs out of wine and he starts taking the piss out of Lance Lannister and being cruel and mocking, which we've we we come to expect from the Lannisters, but not from no, we see a different side him. to him here entirely. Um, and I think I think this is partly his disdain for the Lannisters, yes, um, and it's just general disrespect um, for. Not only for Lancel and the role he's there to play, because at the end of the day, he's just he's a, he's a simpering fool who's there to pour your wine. Okay, he shouldn't have run out of wine because you have one job. But you know, um, to to mock his name, to mock his parentage, to to mock his family, who are also Robert's extended family. It's 
it's Robert being almost bitter about the fact he's in the situation he's in. Yes, yeah, definitely. He resents the Lannisters. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, we've, not through him, but we've, we've, we've discovered in this episode that he is so heavily indebted to the Lannisters that whatever he does, he will never get out from underneath them. He, you know, he could kill Tywin, he could kill Cersei, he could kill Jaime, he could kill Tyrion, he could kill all the kids. The, you know, there would still, there, there would be more of them and he would still owe them a shit ton of money. Yes. And it's just this massive shadow hanging over him all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's it is a nice moment with with Robert even before Jamie enters the scene. Um, yes, and so they, they kick Lancel out because um, to get more wine, and he calls um, he calls Jamie in again, mocks him a little bit, calls him Kingslayer. Now, what no, what did the Mad King say when you stabbed him in the back and all this sort of stuff? But again, there's this nice tender bit where they, again they carry on this conversation about first kills and. Um, Barrison Salmi um, is talking about Jamie's and the fact that he remembers it because it's so legendary and they talk about last words and all that and it's a very human conversation of three men who quite possibly don't yes okay they, you know, they've amassed kills and all the rest of it but it's not something they're particularly willing to talk no. about or particularly interested in talking about because it, you know, they, they may be, you know, it, those actions have set them down a path yes and for Jamie specifically and again this is one to remember folks we're talking a long way in the future but when we come to have everybody moaning like fuck about Jamie Lannister's arc at the end of this show yeah it starts here and it's true north because you get the line where Robert throws it to him he, he says something along um, something along the line of what what did he say when you killed him yeah, and what, Jamie what, says, yeah what did yeah, the Mad King say he said the him. same thing he'd been saying for hours burn them all and we yeah. get it and, and the way it's delivered as well there is no remorse from Jamie here it's just matter of fact it is, he said the same thing he's been saying for hours burn them all I had to do it essentially is what he's saying and he yeah. he comes to well, he flat out not comes to he does here resent the title of Kingslayer it's not something he's proud of it's something that he had to do and it's now something that's wielded yeah. against him as a weapon and he has to shake off over the course of this show it is, but I think not. I mean, it's it's something that's used against him. And it's something he's not particularly proud of. But it's some, it's something that when it comes to he he wears it much like in the first. I think it's the first episode where Tyrion tells um, John to you know, to wear to own the title of bastard yes. to wear it like a badge of honor. This kind of he goes well. People are going to call me Kingslayer anyway, so yes, I might as well just own exactly. It. And I'll 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 play this character where yes, I killed the king because I'm that fucking I'm hardcore. I killed the king, but in fact, there's a side to me who says, look, if I hadn't. None of you would be here lots, if I didn't yeah, do lots this. Lots of people in King's yeah. Landing would have been you know, incinerated by um, the green stuff, which I can't remember what it's called. It, well, it wasn't wildfire. It, it, it something is like something that, like that. But it, yeah, it, um, but lots of people will die. Um, but we never get that. We never get him explicitly saying no. that. And it's it's. I mean, it's only it's much much later on where there are other no there are other conversations where you think he no he's not happy about this. He's not he's not he's not overly enamored with the fact that people see him as a traitor no, or a bad guy like, even like yes yeah. and, and yeah we, we talked about it last week you know he's very concerned with his family's honor yes. and his family name and a, a, a clean kill a clean death a clean fight and yeah this it must absolutely tear him apart the fact that he is seen as a treacherous little backstabber literally a backstabber yes and, and throughout the entire course of the show he will work, sometimes consciously, sometimes not consciously, but he will work to shake that title off. However, 
it is who he is and by the time we get to the end again true north it's who he is it's what he has to do he is the guy that will make the hard choice when no one else will and he is the guy that will do the job um and that is his character he is for want of a better word because i don't really like using it especially where this show's concerned but for want of a better word he is a hero um yeah it's simple as that <laughs> he's just i, I guess yeah. he's painted more as an anti-hero here but he isn't he he did the right thing yes he stabbed a king in the back but if he hadn't nobody in that room would be there talking to him nobody like no. very few people in this show would be around um yeah to be fair that room may not have even no, been there he had to do what he did um and that that is the yeah, the which... very foundation of his character and that is something to remember because as I say, when all the way back in episode one, where I said some of these perceived problems that people think the show have have been built since day one, yes. and some of the problems that people don't seem to have that I highlighted have been inherent since day one. Um, and this is one of those things that has been built all along, and they actually stuck to it. This, I think this is one arc that they stuck. Again, maybe it didn't get the grandiose ending that we wanted, but no, it rang true. His actions rang true, yeah. um, for a number of reasons. Um, so yeah, this this is the genesis of that. There's a lot of genesis in this episode, as you say. It is a character episode, and there, whilst yeah. nothing major or exciting happens, we are seeing sparks here. Where this is the big bang, essentially, for our main cluster of yes, characters. Yes, definitely. Um, and and likewise, we then cut over and do our chunk over with the Dothraki um, because as if there isn't any yeah, no, story I mean, going on already well yeah I was saying I mean I didn't think there was too much um, in this episode with these there it, again there, there are two I think it's, there are two sequences or two chunks with um, with the Dothraki and um, the Targaryens um, one which is character and one which is story um, so you get the first one where um, they, they horde their caravan whatever you want to call them uh, traveling through um, a basically big ass crop yeah. field, and she sees a slave being mistreated. She's talking to Jorah about how you know, slaves are required and all the rest of it, and she she sort of asks them to stop. It's oh, how long should they stop for? And she says, "Until I tell them to carry on." And she's of Daenerys Targaryen, right? Yeah, there in she's she's gro- she's growing into she's growing into this. Um, she she's. Um, I'm not a I'm queen. A I'm not a queen. I'm a Khaleesi. Yeah. I, 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 she, she's sort of learning. Again, she's learning who she is. She, for then some reason, gets off her horse and goes for a wander among the fucking corn. No Never explain why. Yeah, no reason whatsoever, other than no fucking clue what for. My notes other well. than other than we need to have her alone with Viserys. That is, that is it. Yes. <laughs> that is... That's it. And I mean that. That's the only thing I think. I mean, when, if she went off for a piss, she didn't go quick enough because clearly she didn't find anywhere before he got there. So I mean, this is this is the this is the scene I said. Well, this was about was about developing character. We learn no. She's starting to come into a character. And we we see just how insecure Viserys's grip on not just reality but the situation is. The fact that he thinks you know he thinks he's being played. He's married her off to Khal Drogo so he can get he can get the Dothraki army. I don't take orders from savages and their sluts. Well, actually, you do because you haven't thought this through. Because all of a sudden, there's there's a hundred thousand yeah. of them. And there's one of you, and not one that likes you. But she's married to their leader, King Carl, whatever you want to call him. 
She and so they enough. will, yeah, they'll die for they, her. They will yeah. die for her. So you start putting your hands on her, and it's, you're going to get fucked up, which is exactly what a, happens. It's just a real nice show of power from the Dothraki as well to let them know that they can. It is, and destroy I, I, again, it's a yeah, and it's a great turning point for yeah. her as well because she she all of a sudden sees that he, he's always had this of this whole. We talked in episode one about. How there's an old, not this, it, it seems sort of incestuous, but there's a very abusive relationship between them. Yeah. And it's the sort of shift in power all of a sudden. What what he has done, which he thinks is for his benefit, actually has completely undermined any authority he had with her. Because now all of a sudden she's got a, a, a horde of 100,000 men who will rip his yeah. fucking head off. And at this stage won't do because he's put hands which on the Khaleesi. So they've got him round the and throat. It's not, the real kick to the nuts, though, isn't even that the Dothraki will kill him. It's that, and again, another total character gen, um, genesis moment, Jorah also willfully disobeys him here. Yeah, and again, she she, you know, she sort of learns how to speak with the, the Dothraki. Tell them, I do not want my brother hurt. Yeah. And it's again, it's a great show of force because all of a sudden he can see that for all his talk about being the dragon and all the rest of it, he is completely at her mercy. Yeah, he's nobody here. And, and as I say, even his right-hand man, even Jorah moment, at this point, now follows Daenerys. Yes, doesn't follow him at all. Um, and yeah, it's it's a key moment for both of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we get another of my favourite scenes. We talked about um, John training being like my absolute, but we then get Jorah and the Dothraki's man talk around the, <laughs> around the fire, just having a real bro down yeah. over weapons. Yeah. Um, well, you, amazing. You, you get one before that, and you get there's a scene with um, Daenerys and one of her handmaids, where again somebody has a good feel. Daenerys has got yeah. clothes on for a change, but somebody has a good feel oh, yeah, anyway. Because yeah, we find out that and we find out that her tits have grown, so she must be pregnant. Um, yes. So then, yeah, then you go to the scene with um, Jorah and Random Dothraki number three hundred and seven. Um, yeah, they, they're having this you now this uh, bro off about weapons and um, which is great. Armor. It's like everything yeah. that was wrong with the bro down between. John and Rob in the last episode <laughs> where it was really uncomfortable. Yeah. This is the complete opposite. This is like two bros being like, look at my sword, dude. Look yeah. how cool my fucking sword yeah. is. Yours, is. yours is curved and sharp, but mine's fucking long and it goes through armour. Yeah, it, it, it's know, amazing. It, it, they, might as well, they might as well whip them out and measure them. Yeah, it, it's, it's an amazing scene. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then we also get some great backstory between about Jorah and his dad as well. They do yes. actually... They, that's one thing early on here that I didn't see happening so much or certainly didn't remember happening so much as the show goes on is they do a very good job of juxtaposing like these these hard story beats in the lighter moments yes. as well yeah. so like they've let you forget all of the shit that just went on um, with with Daenerys's character and stuff because that was some quite heavy stuff and they just give you this brief moment of levity just to bring you back down a bit and then throw you another bit of essential story information and it works really well um, it's, it's got a kind of just deafness of touch to it, really, yeah. that you certainly don't get later on. Um, and yeah, especially since I haven't made notes on it here, and I, and I don't know why, I think I might have still been writing about the, the Jorah and Viserys thing. But yeah, especially since we've just had the revelation that Daenerys is pregnant, which is a big, a big beat to swallow. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, like, oh, then again, timescales of the show, I suppose. I was going to say, they don't feel like they've been together for very long, so, like, Dothraki is super fertile, I would imagine. But, you know, I mean, again, we, I mean, it was a month between the first episode and the second episode. Yeah, I keep forgetting that time is, is just 
not relevant. Time time is very yeah. fluid in this show, um, much like the Thraki Spunk, I'd imagine. Um, but you know, it's it's a case of you know he's been having an eight ways from Sunday hang, for God knows how on, long. Hang on, hang on, hang on. All Spunk is fluid. That doesn't work. Is it? Oh fuck. Maybe I need to see a doctor. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, unless you're doing, if you're shooting milky bars, you're doing something wrong, dude. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, get sidelined in selling delicious chocolate. Absolutely. So. No. It's a tag left my poor and milky bars are on you. Oh my God, Jesus, I sound like Jimmy Savile. <laughs> hell. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I'm so not cutting that out. I didn't mean that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Oh man, I'm so not cutting out. Okay, I'll just take my foot out of my mouth while we get back. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to open your mouth to change oh, feet yeah. anyway, so that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. So I mean, yeah. So I mean, as as I was saying, um, yeah. So they're either super furred or he's been having a eight race from Sunday before last the last episode where all of a sudden they start making love as opposed to just him raping her every night. Um, so I mean, we don't we have no idea of the time scale, but it only takes one, doesn't it? So in reality, it could have been from the first one. It could have been yeah. once they started actually you know liking each other. Um, but yeah, then um, later, like later on, you get there's a very um, tender scene where, again, she's naked because why the fuck not? Um, and uh, she's lying there, you know, legs wrapped around him, head on his chest, and she tells him that she's having a boy. No fucking yeah. basis to this. She's just knows. No, she just knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, again, no, it's just no because she hasn't been naked in this episode yet. So yeah, and gotta get him out at some point. Again, just time wise, skipping forward ever so slightly, but we're not. We're only skipped to get to that scene. We're just skipping over John training the night. Yeah, we're talking about that. So, yeah. about, um, uh, which which I fucking love. As I say, he's, he's born leader, and and it shows it there. But to come back to that, then with with Dan, I've just written Danny's naked again. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but more than anything else, fuck me, she's picked up Dothraki quickly. I know, I know, time's fluid here, but she's all of a sudden pretty much fluent Dothraki. Yeah, I mean, you see. Um... I think the episode where the handmaid finds out she's pregnant, she's teaching her a word, which I'm, I can't. Yeah, but she's gone from a word yeah, to, to uh, yeah. conversationalist. Yes, I can. I can tell you that I'm having a boy somehow. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. It's just again, it's another one that we just kind of have to accept, I guess. Also, bearing in mind that not two or three scenes ago, Jorah had to translate the command to not kill her brother. Yes. So. She's picked it up awfully fucking quick, especially when maybe I'm wrong here, but you're getting the impression that there's not a whole load of small talk actually going on between, uh, between the two of them. No, you know, probably not so much. Carl Drogo and, and Daenerys not really discussing their days over dinner. Not so much. Um, I wouldn't have thought. No, he pretty much comes in, throws her on the bed. They fuck. He gets up and goes Dothrakian again the next day. She probably doesn't even make his breakfast. Um, they don't no. have those conversations. He just gets up, goes out doing whatever Dothraki do. Uh, she speaks with her handmaidens and learns how to please him more. It's a basic existence. Yeah, very much so. Um, but yeah, um, and go back to the scene with Jorah and the um, Dothraki swordsman. Um, the handmaiden comes in and, and says that um, Daenerys is pregnant and... Jorah makes some very flimsy excuses about needing to go and get supplies, and he buggers off very, very, very quickly. Now he he's going to slaughter a goat. Yeah, um, but it's like, it, again, it's not. It, he might as well have said, "I have something, something underhanded to do." Bye. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not subtle at all. Um, Sounds like he's a fucking devil worshipper. 
Like he's just found out she's pregnant, so he's gonna go and slaughter a fucking goat. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, and quite to be frank, no, wait, what's wrong with eating horse all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, stuck up bitch. Yeah, fuck knows. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah, so he, he he makes this flimsy excuse. I'm gonna I'll go and slaughter a goat for her. Actually, no, I'll have the boys slaughter a goat for her. He's and I have oh, to yeah, go. I have, I have to go to. Yeah. I have to go somewhere. To, um, in front of me, cohort. Um, uh, for supplies, and I'll catch you up. So I, I'll know where you'll be because I'll, I'll 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 track you down because you know, there's millions of you. And I'll find you, but I have to go very suddenly. Why is nobody going? Hang on a minute. Yeah, you've just found out she's up the duff, and now you're running off very fucking quick. What's going on? Mm. Yes, very suspicious. Um, but yeah, um, he gets I mean, away with the it. The thraki, though, not the sharpest tools in the box, are they? So well, no, not the ones we've seen thus far, anyway. No. There, may, there may be some intelligent ones later on. I don't know. I can't remember. Mm. So then um, we cut back to the wall. Tyrion's having a piss off the wall. Awesome callback. Yes, as as he has said every time he's talked about the wall, I want to piss off the end of the world. I think he talks about it later on as well. Um, yeah, much later in sort of when the late season or seven or eight. Um, yeah, no, he that's what he's gone there to do. He's gone to piss off the wall. Um, yeah, and he does it. And that's yeah. great. <laughs> that's an excellent yeah. little conversation. And again, man. there's a no, there's a nice little um conversation with him and John, um, where John says but not Very really, nice. Yeah. Will you call will you call back Winterfell? And it's it's almost just again they've they've put up with each other until until now like Tyrion has tried very hard to befriend John and John's yeah. not really at it, whereas he, they kind of they sort of accept each other. Um and John realizes that actually, yeah, okay, just because he's a dwarf doesn't make him an idiot. No, he, he knows what he's talking about, he understands people. And he's actually he's all right. Yes, okay, he's pissing off the yeah. wall, but he's all right. Um, I mean, we, we've skipped over a bit as well. Where obviously Bran is awake, um, uh, which we got, which was the big reveal at the end of the last episode. Bran wakes up, um, and we learn that he's crippled. He'll never walk again. And Bran says he wishes he was dead. Um, and you get the and we get the story about the, the white the story walkers, about the white walkers um, told by uh, Margaret John, who died before this episode aired. Um, so um, yes, I mean it's. Um, yeah, we get the, the call back to the you know, to the White Walkers and the sort of the um, the pale spiders, the biggest hounds, and the dead horses and all yeah. the rest of it. And it's, again, it's all stuff that we'll come to. You know, it's it's largely discredited, apart from the fact we've already fucking seen them. Yeah, you know, that um, is yeah. As much as I love that opening, and I really do, I feel like I was wasted. There is a real sense of creeping dread in the story. It's handled very very well, uh, but because we've already seen them and we know they're real, yeah. It kind of loses its edge, but nevertheless, it, it there is still a sense of creeping dread there. And then there is Tyrion throws it out there at some point as well, saying when they're having a conversation about what the Night's Watch do. And yeah, this, yeah, that, he's, he's talking with um, in. yeah, he's talking with more uh, with um, Benjamin and um, Mormon, isn't he? And they're saying yes. oh, we need we need more recruits, we need this, we need that. And he's saying, I, he says that I know that's what you think, but I don't believe that's what's out there. Nobody yes. believes that's what's there anymore. All we but no, all people see. Are wildlings who, yes, okay, no, they might outnumber you, but they're still people, and you can kill them. Yes. And so, I don't believe in white walkers and giants and snooks and snarks and teffalumps and whatever the fuck else it is. No, and and that's kind of that's the way this show treats them. But because yes. we've already, as a viewer, we've already seen them, so why the fuck are they wasting our time? Either drop that seven minute section from the from the opening from the part of the pilot, or acknowledge the fact that yes, okay, people know they're there. No, the only, yeah. it, it's sort of it's almost dropped with no. It's like the boogeyman under the bed. It's the story you tell kids to to get them to not go beyond the wall. Yes. If you go into you go into that haunted house, boogeyman will get you. Now, 
if you if you go north of the wall, the White Walkers will get you. Ooh. And it's not it's not to be taken seriously. It's it's the sort of the, the bed the bedtime Grimm's fairy tale. But because we've already seen them, it completely undermines the point that's being made every time they're mentioned. It does. They're so mishandled throughout this show in yeah. general. They, Although they again, come and go all over the fucking show. They do. Although again, this scene at um, at Winterfell where Bran wakes up, he's been told this story again. A lovely um, start to his his journey, yes. whereby you know, it's you know, he liked these stories, which are the scary stories, the sort of the ghost stories and so this. And this is where he first learns about them, the the White Walkers and, and where they came from in the Long Night and stuff like that. And obviously, that will be a big part of his of his um, his arc going forward as well. So you no, know, it's it's a very important again. It's it's a, it's an important scene which is kind of thrown away. A yeah. bit. kind of yeah. But again, I wonder how much they knew about where they were going at this point. I mean, so. I think, but at this point, I mean, I think book wise, they would have been up to a point where he's you know, he's learning to walk and go off and you know, look into the past and stuff. Mm. So I, th- I think they'd have known enough of that to know where he was going to go, even if they didn't know how it was not, how things were going to end. Um, but yeah, I think they would have known enough to sort of to be using this to seed it quite well. Yeah, yeah. But to say maybe maybe that's thrown away slightly, but the um, the White Walker tale certainly isn't. That that's given some real weight here. Yeah, um, I really really like it. Yeah, um, I thought it was, I thought it was really well. That scene was was quite well done until the point where. Rob comes in, kicks uh, old Nan out, and you no, know, he's he's having a conversation with uh, with Bran. Oh, I've seen you climb a thousand times. You didn't fall. Oh, I, I can't remember. Yeah, but I must have done because I'm here and I'll never walk again. Yeah, and uh, no it says he wishes he's dead. And oh, okay, that's a bit of a, a bit of a downer. And again, I, I don't, I can't remember. And as as we go along, we'll pick this up again. I'm sure, but I don't remember that that sentiment ever being repeated. No, I don't either. Um, um, I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot more. Jettisoned. Maybe, and there's there's a lot more on his disability um, in the next episode where um, uh, Tyrion designs him a harness so he can go out walking or whatever else. Um, and we'll talk about that next week. But um, so I mean, the almost played up. I don't recall them ever go ever going back to Senna where he wishes he had died when he fell off. The, well, when he was no. thrown off the tower. And I think that's um, again, it's something that's potentially thrown away because it's such an important thing for a ten year old to feel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. So that's I just, I, I just noticed on my on my notes that was there. I mean, we haven't covered it, so I yeah. The, the only other thing I, I've noticed as well as we've been talking that we skipped over was there is a scene with Ned and Cat just as she's leaving Winterfell, um, just after we get the whole wolf. King's Landing, you mean? Uh, so yeah, King's Landing. Just after we get the whole wolf Cersei's cunt scene, um, and I've got nothing real to say about it other than. Uh, just like back in episode one where the two of them are in bed together and she's giving it the whole listen fat man um, yeah the two of them are just absolutely wonderful on screen together the yeah i mean between the two of them is is so lovely yeah I mean, but you get it as well there's a scene before this where um no i'm not really aware so obviously ned learns the cat in we're in king's landing from Littlefinger when he says would you like to talk to your wife so, well she's she's in winterfell is she and then no he takes him to the brothel and he, you know, he points out this a brothel just, again just to be a bit devilish really a bit of a twat um, and um, Ned has him by the throat oh you know you're a funny, uh, funny little man yeah. and then she sticks her out of the window and calls him and again I don't know what it reminds me of but it's it's like this old British B-movie comedy almost whereby it's not it's not played for particularly seriously it's, um, it's there to get a laugh that no same as um, earlier on when she said oh, nobody knows I'm here and they immediately apprehend it. Yeah. 
and it just it had the same sort of, I think the same sensibility and the same sort of humor about it. And I just, it doesn't smack of so how grave this show is for the most part. But again, it it leads into then the scene with the two of them where but no where he sort of says no, you need to go back. I'll deal with this. Yeah. Um, and you know, the whole thing with the knife and all the rest of it. Um, and it's it again, it's this whole thing of he's he knows that she can take charge. She knows she can she can do things, but he wants yeah. to do it. He wants to do it properly because he doesn't want to doesn't want to damage their reputation. He doesn't want to jeopardize the king. He doesn't know. He wants to make sure everything is absolutely all the all the um, the T's and the locates J's are crossed and dotted and. It's, it's all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it, again, it's a nice scene where he's still trying to protect her as much as she's trying to protect him. Yes, and that's the that's the key, I think. That's why I love their relationship so much, is that it's not played as this grand, overblown love that they have for each other or anything like that. They're just two people who, who clearly they're, care very deeply about one another and know yeah, each other better than they know themselves. They're a normal couple who've been together for a million fucking years and yes, know each other and inside now, go back to like front and upside old, down. Yeah, they feel like an old married couple who will support each other through anything, and they are an yes. absolute unshakable team. And yes. that just comes through from those performances so well. And again, just talking about Sean Bean and the way, the way his whole face softens whenever he's around her, it, it's just superb. The, the the performances from the two of them are are excellent whenever they're on screen together. I buy yeah. them as a couple so much. Um, it's it's excellent, and it is such a it's a choice dramatically that you don't see very often. The, the tendency with this kind of thing is to play it up as, oh, those was a love for the ages and, and things like yeah. that. And that's not how they play it. It's just, it feels like a very real relationship. Yeah, if, if anything, I mean, that seems to be how, um, certainly this early series, that's kind of where they want, you get the feeling that's where they want Jamie and Cersei to go. Yes. It's this forbidden love. It's this, no, we, no we'll die for each other. I'll, 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 I'll burn down kingdoms for you. And that's that's where the, so the grandeur comes from. Whereas with Ned and Cat, it's like it's, it's like your grandparents. They've been together forever. So They'll always be together. And yeah, and they've had um, problems, and we know they've had problems, but they've yes. worked through them and stuck together because they care about each other and they're a team. And it just feels very real and very tender. Um, yeah, it's it really rings true. I think they like hats off to both of them. Seriously, yeah, definitely. Uh, Any time they're on screen together is an absolute joy. Um, but yeah, so so we skipped over that. Um, but there that is, um, and then then we we come to round off this episode now from where we are with uh, the introduction of Cyril Farrell, yeah, uh, who I I love, I absolutely love. He's fucking great. Um, yes. And the show it, it just highlights just how much lighter this show was back at the start. Like oh, definitely. Anytime he's on screen, it's very very light, and he literally. He literally is in Eagle Montoya. Like, <laughs> yes, there's no yeah, two ways absolutely. about it. That is being played for. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, and like the, when he's 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 sparring with Arya, you know, it's you know, he he's sort of she's lunging for him, you know, he sort of prods her dead. Yeah, she lunges again, prods her dead. Next time it's in her face, very dead. And again, he's not serious. He's not as you know, yeah. everybody in this show is so fucking serious. And he's just there going, yeah, I've killed you, whatever. Next he, time you'll, next time you'll catch it. Next time you'll kill me, whatever. He I don't... is in Ego Montoya, like even down to the way he's talking about the dance. You know, they're not fighting. Yes, it's like, this is a dance, and it's like he's just looking for a, a worthy opponent. And yeah, oh, I just some... I love him so much. He's brilliant. Yeah, there's one thing I didn't get with this round. It's it's, it's the very end of the episode. Um, so you you get there. They're they're doing their sparring, their training. He's now you've got. Arya is clearly loving every second. She's massive it's smile on her face. She's beaming, and they you know they're parrying and all the rest of it. And he's spinning around and 
hitting over him with this wooden sword and I've dead. And Ned comes in and nobody sees him and he smiles, he's got this big shit eating grin on his face whereby you know, his little girl's happy and all that. And then all of a sudden you get this sort of um overdubbing of actual swords clashing and um some battle sounds and then his um Syria's last lunge aria where he you know, he stabs her in the stomach, you get an actual steel and stabbing noise. Yeah. What the fuck is going on there? I don't know. I missed I'll be honest, I missed the noise because I was so caught up with Sean Bean and his facial acting again, and I've made a comment in the year. He, he, but again, his face just have changed. His face have drops, and he's it's like he's sort of almost awesome. seeing something. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's it, it just he, he it's like yeah, he comes in and he sees her, and initially it's like oh look, I've made my little girl happy. Look how good she is at sword fighting, and then all of the realization and the weight of the world just hits him at once. Of like, I have introduced my girl to a life of violence here, as good as she may be at it, like. And it's the look isn't. I may have put her in danger. The look is very clearly, I've put the world in danger. Like it's very clearly like she is going to be an absolute fucking menace, and and it's written all over his face. Again, his performance is just superb. To go from the absolute joy, like right through, he takes it down systematically, but he does it very quickly. He goes from joy down to just the fright and being scared of oh my god she could die to just he ends on absolute pure dread just that absolute all engulfing pit of your stomach dread is where he ends up of like oh fucking hell she is gonna kill people like she is gonna take lives and it's all over his face i just think it's it's possibly the best performance we see from him yet and i've 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 made comments several times about his performances but i just think that last shot is absolutely amazing mm. um and what a way to end the episode there as well of just again genesis of a character like it's right there in his dad's face of like oh shit what have i done here yeah like i i, I was i was i, I sort of took in the fact you know his, his face change expression just, but i was so thrown by the sort of soundscape I, I couldn't really read into it what was going on and i, I don't know i've just I don't know, I just kind of found it a bit, again, a bit jarring, really. I, I went totally the other way. I, I didn't hear any of that. I was just so caught up with his performance in that moment that I was... Well, tell you, what, you, you go back and watch, no, listen with your eyes closed, and I'll go back and uh, watch it with, on with the sound see, off. See what, yeah, yeah. see what we get to. Um, if anybody listening wants to weigh in on this one as well, feel free um, at DD Podcast. Yeah, or is he conveying um, something else that we've missed entirely? But Yeah, maybe. Um, if you, any opinions you've got at this stage, weigh in less now because, I mean, I'm fucking stumped. I, I'm, I'm, uh, that's how it played to me, and it played, again, very, very true to me. Like, just watching him go through the absolute... And, and again, I, I'm, I, I've got nothing to to bring to this in terms of emoting. I've got no baggage with children to be able to do that. But for me, it was like you watch that scene and it, it goes from fatherly pride to the absolute terror that you may lose your child to just just dread. Just, it, it really does end up on, oh, my God, I've destroyed the world. Like, I, I, I thought it was superb. I, and again, just the juxtaposition to come from all of Sirio's sort of Mandy Potenkin-esque fuck-arsing around with swords to yeah. to that. Um, it just flips the switch entirely and gives you the nice dramatic close to the episode. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I think it worked though. I think you know, I think I think as a, as a, a close the episode, it worked. It definitely it's worked just, for me. Like, I mean, I, I was a little bit distracted, but I think we're at a point where I was like, "Fuck, that's finished." Yeah. Oh, but yeah, this was a slog of an episode. No, no doubt about it. I mean, overall, it's a good episode. It's not bad. It's it's a useful episode. Yeah. It's not a bad episode. It's, it's a functional episode. There's nothing think, in I mean, it that upset me. Like, like I got upset last week with Daenerys and the lessons um yeah <laughs> you know there's there yeah. nothing particularly out of order or untoward everybody's character starts to take flight and rings true it was it's good uh you know we got some mention of the white walkers and built the dread there it's good it's just slow and boring is what it is um, yeah yeah and, and i mean i say it was a functional episode and i think that i mean for me it's a case of, it was a case of right we've got other things to watch for other shows um, which i'll mention in a second but um I, was like, I put this on thinking, okay, well, this will this will take an hour and I'll be fine. And about half an hour, I'm going, fuck, when's it actually going to start? Uh, yeah, and I think part of it as well is this is the first episode, um, and this definitely is a thing that, that recurs all the way through, and it's definitely a thing that I don't like about Game of Thrones. Um, but this is the first episode where we really start to feel the weird juxtaposition of all kind of three or four storylines. I think there's three by this point that yeah. just don't quite gel together and so some weeks you can barely see a character in their story and then other weeks you'll get nothing but them but that's at yeah. the expense of something else and it never gels no and i think the problem with any sort of show like this especially this size where you've got so many different um, ensembles that you you're always going to have that you have it in um walking dead as well and stuff like that but it's so difficult because everybody has their particular interests and they will like some some storylines better than others, some arcs better than some characters better than others. So when you when they're not in it for an episode and a half, you kind of yeah. go, oh, fuck this, I can't be bothered. But then because you've got this sort of overriding narrative which needs to keep people just slightly up to date with what's going on, and we'll come back to them, we promise we'll come back to them, we'll do a bit more with them next week or the week after and just to bring them up to speed. But for now, just kind of write it out because it's important that you know this bit so that when that happens, it makes sense. Because yeah. there's, such, there's such narrow, very... Uh, fragile threads between these um, these storylines at this stage. There's very yes. little that yeah. binds them together. So, it, no, I mean, it, it, you need it, but it, it's kind of frustrating because it doesn't really t- it yes. doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't, it doesn't and if, if you if yeah. you're watching it because if you're just watching it for tits, then this isn't really the episode for you. If you're watching it because you want to see how Daenerys develops, yes, okay, there's a bit of it, but not really much. If you're watching it to see how um, the the Lannisters are. Uh, uh, developing and how Ned Stark is acclimatizing to being amongst people he doesn't like, then this is an episode for you because a lot happens in it in that respect. But if that's not what you're watching it for, you're kind of going to be sitting there going, oh, yeah. really? I don't really give a fuck. And that's kind of the problem. You, you actually uh, hit on something that I was just about to bring up there. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to compare this show to The Walking Dead a lot throughout, just because there are similarities in, in the way they're handled and also because, as I've mentioned before, I do hold The Walking Dead on, on a slight pedestal. Um... But when you look at the two shows like that and the way they, they handle these kind of branching storylines and these multiple narratives, Game of Thrones seems continually just obsessed with giving you something each week. So yeah. like you might not see a lot of a character for weeks and weeks and weeks, but you'll get something like the throwaway scenes we've had. Um, you know, we've had like, what, two, three short scenes with Jon Snow and, and a couple with Daenerys. And, and, and you'll kind of get something and you'll get the, the one story about the White Walkers. But it's, it's never yeah. quite enough to sink your teeth into. But then next week we might 
get the flip side where we won't get much of Ned in King's Landing or we won't get much of Cersei. So kind of all of the really good work that we've done this week is then flushed down the toilet because yeah, we, we, whereas The Walking Dead will at least <coughs> maybe there's four or five stories going on at once, but you can go fucking three, four weeks without seeing Rick Grimes <laughs> in some cases yeah. because his story's not important right now. We've done his bit and now we're going to focus on this and we'll see this part of the story through. Then we'll go back to it and then everything will culminate towards the end of our season. It might not even be that season. Yeah. But it'll all culminate. There, there will be a point to bring yeah, to it. But, but there'll but be something those, about it. it. Yeah, and it almost kind of works like a like a role-playing game in, in essence where you do have all of these branching characters and branching narratives and you can't force them together everybody's story has to grow organically and play its way out and then when they intersect they need to intersect at the natural point and so that might mean that we don't get to see Cersei for two or three weeks yeah. um, but Game of Thrones has never really done that they've always just tried to show you a little bit and it's those little snatches, I think, that really hurt it because it gives you this weird car crash juxtaposition of stories sometimes. And you'd be yeah. jumping around, especially in later seasons, we'll be jumping around <coughs> all over the fucking map and getting barely five minutes with each character. Um, yeah. And it's almost like the writers have got ADD at that point because it's like, oh, we've got to see what Cersei's doing and now we've got to see what Jon's doing. Ah, but he's all the way over there, so we've got to get over there. So let's have a tracking shot of a crow and then let's, now somebody's on a ship and now we're on horses and now there's a fight and it's just like, fuck's sake, guys. Take a chill there, pill. There's a bit, like... there's, there, there is a lot of that. Um, and a lot of it, I think, comes to sort of the team writing ethic as well because, obviously, I mean, the way American television is written, you have teams of writers, you'll have principal writers and then they, so they'll give you a story arc and then different people write different episodes but they might not they, they'll have an idea of what the arc is but then they'll put their own spin on an episode so there may be things that actually they, they've introduced because they think well that's going to go somewhere yeah and then somebody else will have to shoehorn something in to try and get it to get to point b because it hasn't quite gone where they needed to yeah but and it's it's almost as if there's the the showrunners aren't aren't going take that from that episode yes. put it in that one take exactly. that there it, it's you missing can't do that yet because thinking. that's is what is yeah, missing. that's going to give away something in four episodes' time. So just leave that out. We will get it, mm. and we'll give you writing credit and all the rest of it. But we're going to take that and put it in this episode over here because it makes more sense. Yes. they're not doing that. No. They just kind of go, "Well, that's the episode was written. Mm, yeah, all right. We'll 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 shoot it and we'll see what happens." Yeah, and and again, I feel like that maybe owes slightly to the fact that certainly early on here would be an adapted from a book, and it's almost like they're adapting it directly as you would read a book because as you would read a book you yeah. might get a chapter about somebody and then a chapter about somebody else and then a chapter about somebody else so it would jump around quite quickly but it's a longer form medium and you tend to digest it all in one go so you might you spend do, a week with it but you're just reading that for a week whereas here we're spending yeah. 10 weeks and there's all sorts of other shit going on in our lives as well yeah, and I mean, we had this conversation, I think it was the end of season five, uh, we had it with a friend of ours on, on Facebook, um, there's a big event at the end of season five, and for a lot of people, it, it came up, it came, it was poorly written, it was poorly realised, and the comment was, yeah, but this happens in the book, and the comment that both you and I made was, yeah, but this isn't a book, yeah. you cannot, you can't tell it in the same way, and you can't rely on the same cheap tricks, because people invest in, in TV series in a different way to they invest in books, and 
if it's an adaptation, adapt it, put your spin on it, put something, give it something to make it work. Otherwise, just give me the fucking book. Yeah, exactly. If if I want to read, if I want it, if I want a direct translation of the book, don't bother. Just give me the fucking book yeah. or the seven books at eight thousand pages or whatever they are. I'll I'll read it. It'll take me a while, but I'll read it and I'll get what the author intends me to get out of it. If I'm watching a TV show, I want it to move in the way a TV show moves. I want it to to have a logic that works for a TV audience, not for a book audience. Yes. And certainly early on, and I think even up until the point where the the two diverge from the books and the the so the, the TV show catches up with the books and then they diverge. I think it's not until that point they start writing it like a TV show. Yeah, you you have to recognise that the medium is different. Simple as that. And and again, Walking yeah. Dead does that fantastic. They take gonna, a left I was, I was to say... very early on in that show, and and just carry on down that course. It's its own thing. It's very loosely based on a, on a series of comics. Um, yeah, and it is quite loose. Uh, you know, it, characters cross over between the comic and the and the TV show. You know, and and characters that have been invented on a TV show come back to the comic and they'll bring new characters in now and again but their storylines won't even always match they'll just loosely take a story and do their own thing with it um, well this is this is exactly what I was going to say is that Walking Dead I mean I, I discussed I have some issues with some of the storytelling in that not going to go into it again um, but one thing they do very well is that they they use the world mm-hmm. that's been created yes. and they take some stories if they think they can do them properly or um, whether or not they can is a different opinion. But again, if they think that's a story that's worth telling, and they can they can do that justice on TV with the cast they've got, with the characters they've already got, with the world they've got, or if they need to introduce a couple of new people or a new environment, wherever it may be, they will take that on. But they will they will take that as a basis, and then they will because they know where the characters have gone before, and those characters may not have been in the show, or they may not have been introduced as in this particular way, or they might have, they might not have the same baggage. So they kind of well. Yeah, Maggie will do this, or Michonne will do that, or Rick will do this. But beyond that, we're going to go write a TV show, and we're going to drive it in the in in the way that is a TV show. And if they overlap, or if we tell a story that's already been told, fantastic. If we don't, you know what? Fuck it, don't care because we're making a good yeah. TV show. And that's what this is missing. There's nobody, and I don't know how involved George R. R. Martin was with these. I know he's an executive producer on the show, but I don't know how involved he actually was. But it's almost as though they're too reverent and they're too. Um, too different to go you know what we're just gonna we thanks for the world thanks for the people and all the rest of it we're kind of gonna go this way with it and we're not gonna no, we're not gonna diminish what you've done and we're not gonna sort of completely change it but we need to put this slant on it to make it work as a tv show and it's like nobody's got the balls at this stage to do that they are just going well this is chapters 18 to 22 24 and 37 of the yeah. book um and then next week it's going to be chapter yeah. you know, chapter seven through twelve plus whatever. And then by the time they and they just do want to remake that, have to make that choice, and they're forced to make it. Yeah, it's so late on that even though they do start writing it like a TV show, nothing then makes sense because you can't all of a no, sudden because they skipped over too yeah, much. Stop writing it like a book and start writing it like a TV show. Um, well, that's it. I said, I alluded to earlier on, there's so much by the end of the show that is, that is just thrown away and completely okay. forgotten about. Certain prophecies, certain um, certain character work, just completely thrown out the window because they've gone, oh, we don't need that anymore. We're just driving it because it's going to get to point A, B, C, D, E, and everybody dies. Spoilers. Um, but, you know, it's that sort of thing. And it doesn't work by then because as a viewer, you've gotten used to a particular style and you've gotten used to certain elements. But also, people remember shit. Yeah. We're, in, we're in the age of the internet where everything's written down. So if I've forgotten something about a particular episode, I can go to the Wikipedia page, apart from this week, because there's fuck all written about it, apart from four paragraphs, and I can learn about the prophecies and the characters and what happens here, there, and everywhere. 
and also because there is so much good character work this early on we buy into these characters big time whether we like them or not we have a very definite opinion on all these characters i don't i don't think there are any game of thrones characters that i can say i'm meh on i either you know i like them them or i don't yeah exactly um and so when they start acting out of character and when they get gypped with a storyline or when they just suddenly die um it fucking pisses me off just as i'm sure it does everyone else well as we know it does everyone else Um, so yeah Yeah. it's kind of a kind of a double-edged sword really there isn't it they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't but at least if they'd have stuck to something consistently then maybe yeah but it's 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 a paradox of their own making i mean they're damned if they do damned if they don't but they've got nobody to blame but themselves because they didn't do it properly in the first place they didn't set it up properly they were I don't want to say they were lazy because they did so much work in in converting the book. And that's what they did. They converted the book into a TV show. They haven't adapted it. They've converted it. Um, and they've done such a lot of work. and It looks beautiful and a lot of the character work is there and it's done very well. But because of that, I don't know. It's, you know the, the down if you don't part is when you actually got to start thinking for yourself, Yeah, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. But we've got all of that to come. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got like... No, Still, we're still, we're still in the glory days of following the book at the moment, so. <laughs> which I'm pretty sure we started off on a rant about, but we've now somehow managed to weirdly talk our way around into saying it was better then. <laughs> so. I, I, I don't know. I think it's it's two different media um, which have different requirements and different needs, and they did they didn't do either particularly brilliantly. There are elements they could have done both uh, done better with both but i think on comparison if you look at this the the five seasons where they were following the book there's generally a lot more joined up thinking than there was yeah. after okay. yeah definitely yeah so yeah I, th- I think that's probably a fair point to leave it um we've talked for double the length of the episode which is always uh, yeah sorry guys and we um, didn't say can much although i've just added no that. but yeah, so that's I think that's I seven counts in the episode now. As well. Eight we count when we edit, and yeah, that was eight because I just said it as well. So sorry, um, but yeah, that's still half of last week. Um, but yeah, that, I mean that's episode uh, episode three, season one, Lord Snow. Um, again, there are th- we know there will be opinions we have which are unpopular because you know, we 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 live in the real world and well, uh, and I opened my mouth, so that tends to happen. <laughs> most most most. Yeah, most I was, I was going to say most most of our opinions are unpopular with somebody um, because if you put us in the same room together with other people, people tend to get pissed off. Um, but yeah, if if you want to want to get in touch, want to talk to us, by all means, so reach out on Twitter at ddpodcastnet on Facebook with the Double on Podcast Network. Um, you can go to our website ddpodcast.net. You can contact us through there. You can find our other shows. Um, you can find um, previous episodes of this show if you want to go back and listen again. Uh, but until next time, game over. <laughs> <laughs>